This is Meatless, a podcast about eating from how we get to next. I'm Alicia Kennedy, a food and drink writer. I'll be having conversations with chefs, writers, and more about how their personal and political beliefs determine whether or not they eat meat. The show asks the question, how do identity, culture, economics, and history affect a diet? In this episode, I talked to Danielle Ricciardi and Daniel Stone, the couple behind Brooklyn's beloved vegan burger shop, Chickpea and Olive. Since 2012, from Smorgasburg to Whole Foods, they've been serving really decadent, well-made comfort food, like their fatty beet burger. We discuss how they went from working traditional restaurants to starting their own business, the new generation of tech burgers, and how they've stayed innovative in an ever-crowding field. Thank you so much for being here, Danielle and Daniel. Thanks for having us. Can you each tell me about where you grew up and what you ate? Okay, so I grew up in the uh, West Village in New York City. Uh, my parents didn't really cook. Uh, my mom made spaghetti and turkey meatballs, mostly, uh, if she did cook, but mostly grew up on takeout Chinese food and uh, pizza from Arturo's. <laughs> This is so, a this is the New York answer for everyone on this. Every New York native says this. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. We luck out on the pizza game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We really do. <laughs> yeah. And I grew up in Westchester, New York, and um, grew up on like a standard Italian-American diet, lots of pasta, and my mom cooking every night, and we had a fair amount of pizza as well. Yeah. I think you once told me you remember vividly your last meat meal. I do. What was it? It was a chicken cutlet parmesan that my mom made. And I, I've recreated it, the vegan version of it. But I, yeah, I'll never forget that. <laughs> what uh, cheese do you use? Um, when, we, when we make chicken cutlet, um, I th- we've been using the Veal Life mozzarella. Yeah, the Veal Life mozzarella is... Yeah, and sometimes if we can't find that, we'll use the follow your heart. Mm, the yeah. Miyoko's is pretty good for that, too, actually. Oh, yeah. Miyoko's yeah, the Miyoko's is, is nice. Yeah. Yeah, the new Moo has been the talk of the town lately. I don't Have you guys tried it? Uh, I've had it. I haven't. I've had it somewhere. It, it was like at the beginning. I think it was like right when they launched and there was a pizzeria around the block from us that was using it. And I just didn't think it had a whole lot of flavor. Right. But now people are crazy about it, so I should give it another try. Yeah, I've had it at a couple of places, and I'm I'm still not crazy about it. Yeah. But I shouldn't say I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not to your discredit, folks. Yeah, no, but. I mean, every it needs more bite. I Yeah, have you guys gone to Poly G Slice Shop yet? No. no. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, I need to go again, but I gave them a lot of time, and then I went, and I was like, still, it's something, there's just something that's yeah. missing and I just, I'm, I miss New York pizza so bad and I just yeah. want it again. And yeah. so I'm hoping it's, uh, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes. So how did each of you end up working in food? Uh, well for me it was survival. Yeah. Uh, I started when I was 18, no 19 as a host and then, uh, was going to college and just trying to make ends meet. And then eventually 
fell in love with the industry and I've always loved food. Um, and yeah, that's, I just worked my way through the restaurant industry. And I took three years flunking out of liberal arts school and, uh, uh, which is a really long time to flunk out of liberal arts school. It's really <laughs> expensive. Um, and then needed a job and I started, um, cleaning the floors at a restaurant around the block from where my parents grew up. Um, and that slowly turned into cutting French fries and gutting calamari and cleaning mackerel. And before I knew it, I really liked it. Yeah. And stuck. And how did you guys both met while working at the same restaurant, right? Yeah. Yes. Can you tell me about that? How did that go? (laughs) Well, we were both working at Del Anima in the West Village, which recently closed. Um, And reopened, actually. At the same time. Yeah. uh, In a a food hall. Um, But yeah, I was working as a server and bartender, and Dan was the sous chef. Yeah. Yeah. and then there were a lot of like late nights at the corner bistro that turned into like a eight year relationship. <laughs> yeah. Pints of McSorley's and Sam Cook. Yeah. And so uh, did it. stumbling over uh, people's bar stools. <laughs> Other people. Um, and then when did you you went vegan for Danielle? Sorta. I was kinda <laughs> like so I when we first started dating, I used to um, go over to her house with, like, a picnic uh, and, like, throw nickels at her window to let me in because I wasn't initially sure which apartment number she was in. <laughs> um, and uh, I just kind of liked it. And the more the more I hung out with her, the better I felt. Before I knew it, I was doing it all the time. And then I was, re- Danielle at the time was reading uh, Eating Animals by Jonathan Safran Foer and crying her, uh, crying on the subway on her way home from work. <laughs> and so I read it too. And then uh, I started crying on the subway on my way home from work. And then, uh, yeah, and then I was just into it. But what made you go vegan initially? And how old were you? <clears throat> Um, well, I was 25 and I was working, I had been vegetarian prior for quite a while and I was one of those vegetarians. I was like, I can never give up cheese. I can never do it. And then I started working in a vegan restaurant and just learning more about vegan cooking and vegetables really. And, uh, I read Skinny Bitch, and <laughs> I was like, I can't participate in this anymore. Right, like, right. you know, um, yeah. So that's that's kind of what did it for me. What made you go vegetarian in the first place? Well, I was a big hippie, and was I don't know if it was at a yeah, it was at a show, I guess. And I picked up like a pamphlet, and it was you know some pita pamphlet that just really shocked me. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. And that was really hard for my family too, because when I was, when I went vegetarian, I was the first vegetarian in my family. And they just like, my mom had no idea how to feed me. You know, she was (laughs) like, what do 
<laughs> what do I give you? Yeah. So at first, I, I guess I went pescatarian. And then when I moved to college, I went vegetarian. And are you still the only non-meat eater in your family? No, I'm really proud to say that there are five vegans in my immediate oh, wow. family now. Yeah. Out so. of how many? Because that's a lot to have in an immediate family. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's... I have three siblings and then um, a niece and nephew, which are like the equivalent of siblings right, to you because right, right. they're, I'm the youngest by far in my family. So they're more like a brother and sister to me. So it's my sister, Laura, her partner, Moira, uh, my niece and my nephew. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So when we have holidays, it's nice because we'll convince the rest of my family. That we're, <laughs> we're doing a vegan Christmas or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Daniel, do you... How did your family react to your going vegan? Um, well, my dad had passed away, so I guess he didn't give a shit. But <laughs> uh, my mom... My mom didn't really care either. She was mostly vegetarian. Mostly. Except holidays and turkey meatballs. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and muscles, uh, but it, which all of which I think she still eats, but she's always mostly been vegetarian. Um, so it wasn't really a change for her. And like I said, she never cooked anyway. Right, right, right. So it's much less of a, yeah. a big stretch. So what made you guys start chickpea and olive in 2012? It was, or yeah, it was 2012. It's yeah. going strong. Yeah. Uh, uh, kitchens are a miserable place to work <laughs> and, uh, uh, it was, it was wearing on me. I wanted, I personally wanted to be able to like move up in the restaurant that I was in. Um, but I'd hit the ceiling and, uh, my bosses knew that everybody seemed to know that I wasn't going to go any higher. Um, I got in trouble a couple times and then, uh, I told Danielle, I was just done with it and I needed to quit. It was also hard for you too, because you were vegan and you were having to taste the food and then you were like spitting it out yeah. and, cause he was the grill cook. So oh, he was wow. like cooking the, the chicken and the bronzino and whatever. Yeah. Else I did, a, I did a lot time. of like, I, and I was like, I was running the line a lot of nights. So I had to taste everybody else's food, not just my own. There was a lot of chewing things and spitting and saying, no, really, it's good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just, I needed, a, I needed a fresh start. So I told Danielle I needed to get out of there. And she was incredibly supportive for, I'm not sure what reason. <laughs> and uh, we, we set out on putting some ideas together. Yeah, and we had just really started dating, so it all kind of yeah. just happened all at once. I guess, I guess you left and I, I left. I, uh, 2012. Yeah. May, I think. Yeah, but we. No, 2011. Yeah, so Dan left in mm. July of 2011. Right. And we were like, we're gonna start this business, and we were originally gonna do like a like a vegan version of Del Anima. Right. Like yeah. we'll do Italian comfort food. It'll be great. You know, like rustic Italian. Yeah. Um, handmade pastas. Yeah. Um, Those didn't work out so well. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were really trying to just hustle. And I was still working full time at the restaurant. And, you know, we were 
just grasping at any opportunity that came our way. And um, then we found Smorgasburg in the the spring of 2012. So that's really when everything started happening. And of course, by the time we'd done that, we'd already incorporated. So we had a name, uh, Chickpea and Olive. And we, we took our tour of Smorgasburg and both acknowledged there's no veggie burger here. And let's, let's, you know, take advantage of that. And so there's no chickpeas or olives in any of our food. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so confusing to everyone. People actually come up and say, can I have the chickpea? Or <laughs> <laughs> So tell me about the development of your veggie burger. Um, development of the veggie burger. So uh, I think it came down to two things. Danielle had a, had a post-punk kitchen in the house. And they had a beet burger recipe in there. She recommended it. So we tried that. It was really good. Um, and then I saw a video. I don't remember who it was. I don't know if that's true. Why not? I don't know about the post-punk kitchen cookbook. We, we definitely tested their recipe. I don't, do they have a beet burger recipe? Pretty sure. Because it was... I remember it was a different book. Was it a different book? <laughs> it was like the veggie burger book or something oh, that we like, had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's Colleen's. Some, yeah, something like that. And they had a beet burger recipe. Yeah, I feel you like. You might be right. Okay. Yeah. I think, I beet think burgers are de- like post punk kitchen would be too. Like, it's pre- too early. Yeah, yeah. It's too early for beet burgers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 if anything, it would be like Veganomicon or something. Uh, but I don't okay. think Maybe they was, had yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. But and we have all those cookbooks and love them by the yes. way. But <laughs> the, I think it was like veggie burgers around the world or something oh, like right. that. Yeah. And we tried the beet burger. It was good. And it was it was good. It yeah, was, it, it was, was really good. Very good. Um, and then there, I saw. I remember seeing this video, and it was this restaurant. I want to say, I want to say it was in Chicago, and they were doing two things. They were doing watermelon sashimi, and they. Uh, in which they like sous vide a watermelon in some kind of brine and then used it as tuna. Um, and then they were doing, uh, they, they were doing a beet burger and it was like beets and corn and three other ingredients. It was, it was super simple. And their selling point was that it was a burger made out of all of the things that cows eat. Oh, wow. And I thought wow. that was so cool. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we could do a simple burger, just make it look as much like a hamburger as possible um, and trick people. Yeah. And and the word beet is great for that because it looks like beef. Yeah. People still people have gotten really like, mad about can that. Can we get the beef burger? I'm like, <laughs> it's a beet burger. They're like, yeah, beef. I'm like, no, beet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's important, like the the veggie burger looking like beef? Is does that is that significant? Now, now I don't know. Yeah. At the time, it felt important. It felt like I really when we started, it felt important to try to like play a trick on people. Right. To like take advantage of like what they saw and like. I don't know, like what they saw was not what they were going to eat. Right. So there'd be some kind of surprise element. And also like at that time when we were starting, like 
vegan was a very scary word. Yeah. And people really had very strong reactions to us at Smorgasburg and, you know, Plus, for the longest time, like when we started, we had no money. So we had like a banner that I made, you know, with a scrap scrap fabric. And it just said like vegan sliders and like plaid cut out, you know. No name or anything. Yeah, not even chicken. Just vegan sliders. And people were like, you know, I really had to use my selling techniques to like convince them to try it and like I would dare them I'd be like if you if you don't like it I'll give you your money back like <laughs> come on just try it just try it um I dare you so not to like it I do think in the beginning it was important that it looked some like something familiar to them like if right. it was like a green veggie burger they would have been like no way you know yeah um but now yeah I bet you can make like an asparagus burger and no one would bat an eye right yeah. May, I don't know asparagus <laughs> I think actually I want to try that. I want to eat that. <laughs> We're gonna make your art. Yeah. <laughs> so since 2012, you, you've been you've expanded your menu. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. Um, you're now doing like these incredible tofu sandwiches that I'm obsessed with. But um, how also has like the reaction changed? Oh, it's so interesting to watch. Um, yeah. So when we started, we were the I mean, to my knowledge, we were the first in New York doing what we were doing, which was like showcasing vegetables and like creating comfort food out of vegetables. We weren't using packaged products. We were making everything from scratch, from the bread to the ketchup to yeah. We used everything. to make the, we used to make the goddamn buns. Yeah, and Dan is not a baker, so that was incredible. But the bread was really good. It just was inconsistent. You know, it'd be very fluffy one week and then very flat the next. Um, So at first, you know, yeah, it was, we really had to sell ourselves and convince people to try our food. And, you know, that started to build up a little following and make a little name for ourselves. And then now, you know, I, I don't know, vegan is such a sexy word, but plant-based everything, everybody, oh, plant-based, oh, (laughs) So, um, you know, we, we feed people that, you know, 10 years ago, I'd be like, they, they're never going to get a sandwich from us. And now I'm like, Whoa, like, that's so cool. Like, and they're really excited about it and they really want to try it. And so that's really exciting to see. Yeah. Our bookkeeper the other day was telling us he owns a pizzeria in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and he's got a, (laughs) he's got a vegan uh, pizza on his menu. And he says that like people in camo and MAGA hats come up to his stand and order vegan slices. That's incredible. That yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He told but, us that yesterday. I yeah. couldn't believe it. I'm very surprised. <laughs> yeah. I, that combination of things is funny. Just, yeah. I mean, no, the combination of being a bookkeeper who also has a yeah. pizzeria in Harrisburg, yeah. Pennsylvania. That's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> So um, you're you've been at Smorgasburg since you started, and you continue to be at Smorgasburg. You've also expanded into Whole Foods Williamsburg. Yeah. And ba- how do you structure your time, your business? Like, how does it all work? I think. I mean, I think we just do everything we have to do. I don't know how much structure there is to it. <laughs> we work all the time. Yeah. yeah. I, I. I mean. 
you know, I try to make sure that our orders are placed two or three days in advance. And then if I forgot something, I try not to panic. And uh, I, I'm still doing 90% of our prep work, um, working the line. And yeah, there's really no getting out from the bottom. If you, <laughs> if you, if you start at the foundation, you really you end up building the whole house on top of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So you, are you guys, you prep in Queens still uh, or? Some of it. Yeah. yeah. Some of it we prep in Long Island city and some of it we prep at Whole Foods. Right. Yeah. And so how is, has working at Whole Foods kind of changed? Has it changed your menu? Has it changed anything? It's created opportunities for a lot of things we weren't able to do before. Uh, for starters, we've got a deep fryer and we have taken as much <laughs> advantage of that as possible. Um, I think we have really good French fries. Yeah. Um, and I feel like as a burger spot, that was like, that was something we were really missing was French fries. And now I feel like we can take ourselves seriously because we have <laughs> French fries. Um, we're talking about adding ketchup. We, we Yeah, we were debating ketchup. Ketchup <laughs> is on the table. Um, we, we're probably going to do a tasting next week. If, uh, can I come? You can totally yeah. come. <laughs> You could I totally love house-made ketchups. Oh, like people get all upset. There's like, we should just have Heinz. We don't need any fancy. I'm like, no, why? Why do you just need Heinz? I feel like I'm one of those people. Oh. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a smooth ketchup fascist. Um, <laughs> but the ketchup you were making was so good. It was we had really a habanero good. ketchup. We, yeah, for a back while. in the day, we used to make our own habanero ketchup. Yeah, um, it was really good in our apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the good old days. <laughs> but also you guys are on the delivery services and I wanted to ask you how that impacts your your business. Uh, because, yeah, as I said, I we were just too far away from Whole Foods Williamsburg to get it from Seamless. So then caviar is like this. It's so expensive. And like we as, as a food writer, like we talk about this. It's like how uh, how this affects small businesses, like the charges and everything. And it, it's pretty pretty huge. Yeah. So how do you got, how did you guys make the decision to go on to those services and how has it affected the business? I felt like it was a necessary evil yeah. to start to bring in more income. Um, and it's well, not even more income, just more customers. Well, more, more customers yeah. and, and just, you know, generate a little more revenue, even though the fees are like out I mean, of control. Um, Basically, there's no profit on on delivery sales, you know, because that that portion of your sale goes towards paying for everything that's called a fee. Right. Uh, when you get your bill, from yeah. The customer. It's great because I didn't. We don't ever really order delivery, so I didn't realize that like there's like a fee on top of you know because they're charging us like thirty percent of the of the order, like that's their cut. And right. then they're charging the customer on top of that. And then if you, you know, of course you tip your driver and like all the things, it's crazy how expensive it is. Yeah. And it's, it's super frustrating to us too, because, you know, as a small business, her reputation, it's like everything we've worked so hard to maintain our reputation and, on Grubhub and Seamless, the majority of the negative reviews, like obviously we're not perfect and our staff will make a mistake or whatever, but the majority of the negative reviews are from their drivers uh. and or the food taking forever or whatever it is. And it's like, 
that is that that hurts like yeah. that really hurts because like our you know i think our rating right now on grubhub and seamless is like four stars or whatever and that's like oh you know it's i go on and i read the reviews i'm like oh my god this is so bad cold food two hour wait yeah how is that possible it takes five minutes to make a burger (laughs) it doesn't make sense Uh yeah so it's and you know it's it's hard but i i think we need it for for the time being yeah we're going to get bicycles, and I'm just going to do all the deliveries. Dan's going to make all the food and deliver it everywhere. I've been practicing I'm, I'm, uh, at the gym. And... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, veggie burgers are kind of a cultural obsession because burgers are so ingrained in American culture. And why do you think people... Like, why is the veggie burger such a, like, focal point of, of both, like, obsession and, like, controversy? Like, especially now that, like, Impossible Burger and Beyond Meat Burgers are, like, everywhere. And then, I mean, they're essentially the same old burger yeah. that we used to eat in mm-hmm. the 90s. But right. just, like, a little bit more, in, I don't know. Like, they have the heme, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I always joke that our burgers have been bleeding since 2012, you know, because beets bleed, you yeah. know, they're yeah. really, that gets all over you. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> we didn't spend a billion dollars developing that. I've got the stains to prove it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I don't know. On the one hand, it's, I guess it's a little sad or embarrassing that as as foodies, the, the vegans have to rely on the veggie burger. On the other hand, it's it's everybody else's fault. It's McDonald's fault. Right. You know, I mean, the hamburger's been an American obsession since 1963 or whatever. And uh, if we're if we're gonna change as a culture, we need to change around around that. Yeah. I mean, it's I feel like it's an, a societal cultural duty that like. That's where, that's where our cuisine starts. So, American cuisine. Yeah. 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 That's true. Do you think that? I mean, you you alluded to this before, but like, uh, are veggie burgers becoming more interesting as a on a whole? Do you think or no? Do you think that like the beet burger is kind of like the best that could happen in terms of like? Uh, I mean, I, I, it's a hard question. I, I don't think that the beet, the beet burger is the apex of the, um, the veggie burger. The veggie burger. <laughs> I, th- I think it happens to be cool. Yeah. Uh, and I hope it remains cool uh, until we decide to stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that'll make it cool again. But you also, um, had you been working on a gluten <clears throat> burger? Yes, we did. We have been. Um, we're on a brief break from it, uh, <laughs> but we'll go back to the laboratory. We got. I. Th- I think we got pretty close. We got very close um, to tapping into the <clears throat> the gluten burger, um, and that's what Impossible Burger is. It's just a gluten burger with eight million dollar red food diet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I got, it's funny cause, so I wrote this column about 
veg, like tech burgers versus like more traditional veggie burgers. And the like one negative comment on Twitter was from a guy who literally is on the advisory board of impossible foods. <laughs> it's like he had a link in his bio to like, these are my, uh, like, uh, you know, little, um, things that he, you know, he can't be, uh, completely transparent about. And he's like, well, impossible foods is like number one. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't have to listen to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know you're a Berkeley scientist, but like <laughs> you, you got a conflict of interest there. Um, yeah, so but you've also been doing these tofu sandwiches. Like what made you want to do those and what what inspired all those recipes there? Other than having a deep fryer. Well, we actually did it before we oh, went cool. to Whole Foods. Yeah, we did. Um, we did. We did it. Oh my god, what was it like 5 years ago or something at Smorgasburg? Yeah, 2013. Yeah, so it, it was like And it wasn't good. I don't even think it was good. But it But it, it sold out so fast and we had such a dangerous setup, like, cause we didn't have a deep fryer at Smorgasburg. We just had like a pot <laughs> on a butane burner in our like super crowded tent. Yeah. And I'm scared just hearing yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we only had like 30 portions of it or something, but so we made it, it was a huge hit. Everybody loved it. And then, yeah, when we moved into... Whole Foods. We made it, but we also it, it sold. But I I know I didn't like it. I think Danielle didn't like it. And like, we went home afterwards, and we were like, "How can we make that good?" Yeah. Um, yeah. So then Dan started experimenting, and then yeah, when we got the deep fryer at Whole Foods, that's where it really started yeah. happening. And, and then, yeah, and then yeah. we went to LA with it and put it on a donut. <laughs> Put it on it. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on anything. <laughs> um, and that's our number one seller. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Um, it's it's hard, too, because I want people to try other things, yeah. but they, they're, like, obsessed with it. It's really good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's oh, like, that's you. what I want, like, yeah. what I want to, like, bite into. Yeah. Um, but so you, yeah, you've put these things on donuts and waffles and everything like, and you are kind of explicitly like a comfort food operation. Um, I've talked about this a little bit with other people, like vegan food has like a very big obsession with comfort food. Like, why do you think that is? Is Uh, it because nostalgia or? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is nostalgia. I hate the term comfort food. (laughs) He really um, hates I, it so he, much. We, we've been branded as vegan comfort food so many times. At like stupid it, festivals we've yeah. done like that. We didn't even have a name. It was just like vegan comfort food. Like, oh, God. <laughs> I just, anytime I hear it, I think like curling up on a couch with a Snuggie and a bucket of macaroni and cheese. And it just feels so gross. <laughs> it doesn't uh, sound bad. <laughs> um, well, what um, would you prefer to call your food? I think, I think I call it fast food. Okay. Um, yeah. I think that's probably a more offensive. I hate term. that term. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that's when we started. That was secretly my aspiration. Was like let's let's do fast food. Let's do really good being in fast food. We don't do fast food though. Oh, but we're so fast. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, the ingredients are better. Um, and I'm pretty sure more care goes into what we make than 
what McDonald's makes. No offense, McDonald's. Um, <laughs> but uh, pretty sure. <laughs> I'm a hundred and fifty percent sure. Um. But at the end of the day, like I want people to be able to come in and get out in five minutes and and go enjoy our food somewhere else. Because um, <laughs> they can't stay here. Cause, yeah. Cause, the security guard will come and yell at you if you stay. <laughs> uh, well, what do you guys, is there anything you miss? Like what, what kind of flavors or textures or anything? That, is there anything you, you haven't recreated that you miss from those omnivore days? I miss Italian pastries. Uh, we've talked about this. Yes. Yeah, for me too. It's insane. But you it's also insane. have made a great cannoli before. I remember this. Oh. <laughs> Oh, the cannoli. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I've had other vegan cannolis and yours was the best one. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. That means so much to me because I, I'm not a, um, <laughs> I am not a baker, but I was, yeah, those are gluten-free cannolis gluten -free. and they were, yeah. I remember when you and Anita came by yeah, and got yeah. those that day. Um, yeah. I, I miss Italian pastries. Like. No other. And it's hard because we live right down the street from Fortunato Brothers <laughs> and it's torture. I'll just like smell it and like, yeah, look away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I spent a morning in that kitchen once writing about the marzipan and it was just like, it was incredible. Just yeah. like the, the sugar just in the air and the flour was, <laughs> and the, yeah, just so the rolling out the, I don't want to say the Italian word, but like the lobster tails. Yeah. And yeah. like just. Yeah, just an incredible place. And we need a vegan version of that. We do. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm i putting my money on you, Alicia. I think you're going to do it. <laughs> I wish I'm just from Long Island. I'm not even Italian. So it's like, I didn't. <laughs> but yeah. So, someone needs to do it. For sure. We're, it's, yeah, it's a big void. Yeah. And what about you, Daniel? Anything? When I was growing up, we always had this box of um, Dansk. Oh God, I love oh, those yes. Yes. butter cookies. <laughs> yes, and I've had one once in my life, and the box that we had in our apartment was actually just full of like needles and thread. Right, totally. And I would always open it up to see if there was cookies in it, just to see, and there never was. Um, and I, th I think that's what the one thing. If I were to say one thing, I miss it's the butter cookie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. The I like the pretzel shaped ones with the, like the big oh, sugar the big crystals. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, those, those are the so best ones. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. So, what is next for chickpea and olive? What are What are you hoping for or planning for, or even if it's just a, maybe a new sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited for the the burger we're working on. Right. 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 Um, but we have a lot of things in the air and I, I, yeah, I feel like we have a lot of balls in the air constantly. Always, so yeah. I think, I don't know, we fantasize about opening our own storefront and, but I, I think I want to move more in the direction of like, um, CPG. So some sort of package product and. Um, I don't know. Dan, what are you thinking? <laughs> um, the opportunities right now are like, are as, we've got a lot of excellent opportunities. They're all incredibly daunting. Yeah. So, um, I think the big thing I'm looking forward to is just like 
a week off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys get time off? Do you build that into your... Not no. yet. Yeah. Not, not these past six years. <laughs> I've, I've gotten a little more time off than Dan. It's, it's a little harder for Dan to like exit out of the... Yeah. I mean, it's not easy for yeah. me as well, but... I, I am, I'm not very trusting. I'm a bad delegator. Yeah. So I really have to like figure out how to find a cog that fits into the the machine the way I do. Yeah. No, it's it's basically impossible when you're self-employed to take time off. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. yeah. I I did it at the end of last year and I regretted it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the same. I mean, I took I took I don't know, some time off in October and I came back to a disaster exactly. and I've been catching up ever it's, since. Exactly. It's, yeah, you, you know, never do. No, you don't. And I was like, why did I take that time off? I know. You got to love it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so for you guys, is cooking a political act? Totally. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. How so? Um, because I think, you know, Eating at home and choosing to be vegan, you know, it's a it's a boycott. You're, right. You're telling the companies that you're not willing to pay for the products they make, and you live without them, and you live without them ha- hopefully happily. Yeah. Um, and then as a business, we are doing that on a larger scale. We're buying a lot more food, and we are not buying it from Cargill, and we're not buying it from Tyson, and we're not buying it from, you know... Those other assholes. Cisco, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We we have we have full operational control over who who we buy from. Um. And we're never gonna give our money to people that we don't like. Or so, we're gonna try not to. Or yeah. yeah, we're gonna do our best. I mean, we I definitely give money to people I don't like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not by choice. But yeah, and so it's political, it's, a, it's an act of rebellion. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks Thank you so much for having us. Right.